And our next movie is Mystery Science Theater 3000, a feature-length comedy inspired by the long-running cable show on the Comedy Channel. The premise behind the program is that an evil scientist hopes to rule the world by rotting our brains with bad movies. To perfect his techniques, he conducts experiments on the satellite of love, where a victim named Mike Nelson is forced to view some of the worst movies ever made. To preserve his sanity, Mike and his mechanical friends Tom Servo and Crow T. Robot make wisecracks as they watch the old films. This time, their target is a 1954 science fiction classic named This Island Earth. Aha, eat my photon, small head. Why are they all sitting in front? We're sitting ducks in this thing. If we're going to make the airport, we'll have to do it on foot. When I stop, we'll pile out and take cover fast. Sounds like a really crappy plan, but okay. Michael J. Nelson plays Mike, and Kevin Murphy and Trace Beaulieu play the voices of Tom Servo and Crow T. Robot. The villainous scientist named Dr. Clayton Forrester is also played by Beaulieu, who in this scene believes he's not getting enough respect. The favorite targets for MST3K, as it's called, are the cheesy sets and special effects in their target movies. Now, this is what went on in Salvador Dali's head. <laughs> now, I swear we parked on level C right next to... Oh! One of the reasons MST3K has been so popular, I think, is that the human and robotic film goers get away with doing just exactly what we like to do during a lot of bad movies, get our revenge by talking back to the screen. Stand back! Acting! <laughs> I like the idea of MST3K, and I've enjoyed some of the shows, but for me, the novelty wears off after a while. I wouldn't be able to watch it every week. The original movie, This Island Earth, was 87 minutes long, but the whole... Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie is only 74 minutes long, perhaps reflecting the insight of the filmmakers that you can get too much of a good thing. In this case, I think they give us just about enough of a good thing. So you... Thumbs up. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah, tell. Yeah. Well, I liked it, too. I guess I liked it more than you did. I think that uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. And, yes, maybe after an hour, I, I, was, I would have been satisfied. But in that first hour, I was laughing pretty hard. I mean, for example, yeah. just the, the Universal logo. They, it, it, mm -hmm. This picture, it's now it was back then called Universal International Pictures. So they see, we see it flash up there, Universal International, and they say, well, doesn't the fact that it's Universal make it international? <laughs> I mean, you know, they're, they're yeah. thinking fast. Now, yeah, you can yeah, say, yeah. oh, I would get that, or I might have thought of that, mm -hmm. but, you, but people don't oh, think yeah. of well, that. Of they're very yeah, clever. Well, I hope I didn't sound down on it. What I was say I like the movie I just couldn't watch this every week it gets a little tired after okay a while. you only have to watch it once two thumbs up though for mystery science theater 3000 the movie the feature-length version of the TV show where the audience is actually encouraged to talk during the screening oh I'm sorry did I break your concentration you are one pathetic loser <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the podcast where we discuss the best and worst movies from the 90s. This is Real 90. If you're going to spew, spew into this. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. What's your favorite scary movie? You can't handle the truth! On this week's on uh, episode 11 of this week's podcast, we'll be discussing the 1996 comedy sci-fi mystery science theater 3000, <gasps> the movie. But before we get to that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Nick Prince. I'm Ricky Glore. And I'm Eric Hunter. Hey, how's it going? Hey! hey party! Uh, Ricky, you want to go ahead and uh, introduce this week's pick? Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, released in 1996, directed by Jim Malone, written and starring Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, Trace Ballyou, and Jim Malone. Uh, this is a theatrical version of the hit cult TV show, Mystery Science Theater 3000, which was created by Joel Hodgson, where he played the original host, uh, Joel Robinson, after a few seasons of cable access where this show originated. They got picked up by the Comedy Channel, which was then turned into the uh, Comedy Net or Comedy Central. Fuck. Comedy Central. 
which was then turned into Comedy Central. And then after this movie, there's a slight mention in the movie, it was picked up by Sci-Fi Channel where it ended its run. After about, I think, five seasons, uh, Mike Nelson, who was the head writer of the show, took over as the host when Joel Hodgson decided to leave. Um, this movie is stands on a cult status. It did not do that well in theaters because it was a limited release and not promoted very well. Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, does what the TV show does, where they sit and watch an old movie, and the characters of Mike and his two robots that he's built in the spaceship, Crow, T-Robot, and Tom Servo, make fun and make jabs at the movie. While the movie plays, the movie they're watching in, the movie version, is This Island Earth, which is a universal classic, which produced the movie Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. No. I don't know if I would call it a classic. Oh, I wouldn't call it a classic, but oddly enough, a lot of fans of the television show and also just movie enthusiasts thought it was peculiar that of all of Universal's library of bad horror movies or sci-fi or just bad movies in general, that they picked This Island Earth because it is considered a sci-fi classic. I mean, it was released in 1955, so... I mean, for that era. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the boom of the... Right, the sci-fi and the aliens. Yeah, I mean, it's very... It makes me think of... um, Now I'm going to beef it because I can't think of the the movie with the uh, Forbidden Planet. It's very in the vein of that. Those Those were hot and heavy being released in this era. I was kind of a little disappointed when you picked it because I don't consider... Even though it, like you, I was talking to Eric earlier, and I considered this to be more of like, uh, like an hour and a, or what is it, eighty-five minutes, whatever, hour and a half long sketch. It's not really a movie to me. Um, I could really care less for the 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 breakups of the movie, the interactions with um, whatever the uh, the overlord is. Doctor Forrester. Yeah, Doctor Forrester. Like, I don't really... I think that's all very weak. Um, so if, if I had to correct this movie at all, it would just be them watching the movie and the whole time and take away the little breathers in between. Well, those are called the host segments, and those were traditionally done in the television show, originally with Joel Hodgson, because he was a stand-up comedian that was kind of a prop comic. He would have originally what was called Invention Exchange, where he would have, he would make this silly prop out of things that he found at like a thrift store, and it would do something ridiculous. And then the Mads, which is Doctor Forrester and one of his co-hosts, would then show the invention they made. Once Mike Nelson took over, they did that for about a season, and because that's not Mike Nelson's background, they changed it to just be like little sketches about the movie to break up the time in between the movie. Um, as far as the host segments go, I, I'm an avid watcher of the television show. These host segments, I think, are far better and tighter than what appeared on the TV show. I actually think they're funny. I I think recreating the Interocitor and one of the aliens, I I laughed. I probably, from start to finish, were, was constantly chuckling throughout this movie. I mean, yeah, compared to the TV show, they were... I mean, they obviously it's a movie, so the budget's going to be a little bit more than a TV show, so they could put more time into those host segments. So yes, they were better than the TV show. I just still thought they were, I don't know, not really. They were kind of needless. Well, what this movie does for me is, I grew up with my dad showing me a lot of old movies, a lot of black and white, a lot of bad horror movies, a lot of B science fiction movies. I actually did not see This Island Earth until I saw Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. And what it made me think of, though, is, you know, sitting with your friends or sitting with my dad and making these funny comments about ridiculous moments in the movie. And what also I like is, I may have never seen This Island Earth if I wouldn't have seen Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. Now, I know you can make the comment, maybe it's for the better not to have seen that movie. (laughs) Right. But... You know, it's still film history. Yeah. These movies exist as a precursor to latter science fiction that was done maybe better with 
with this movie didn't this oh, i have no doubt in my mind that if i budget. if i was a, a kid in the 50s and i saw this movie that i wouldn't like i wouldn't hate it like it would be awesome just because the effects you know you, you don't see anything like that now we can just oh. in hindsight going back yeah now we have you know transformers and independence day and <laughs> you know stuff buildings exploding where that wouldn't happen back then just because they didn't have the budget or it would just look way too cheesy for them even to not even show it everything's built by hand and all the backdrops are painted they're paintings right did anybody else notice that the plot i'm surprised they didn't mention this in the movie the plot of this island earth is pretty darn close to what happens to krypton and superman yeah i think i kind of got that i got a little bit just like a subconscious feeling about that just the their home planet being destroyed mm-hmm. by another planet in meteors right to me uh i mean I, I like i said i love the jokes i think the robots i think the writing and the the quips in this movie are hilarious and if those didn't exist i would be extremely bored with this island earth except for that looking at the movie this time the movie inside the movie this Island Earth story isn't that bad. I could definitely see this be redone with the core story that they have of aliens from a planet coming to Earth trying to get a technology or a resource that would help save their planet. And if their planet didn't get saved, the whole planet relocating to Earth. I'm sure it's been done a lot, but... Right. Yeah, it would be interesting to see that story in today's with like a big motion picture budget. So I know for, I know the first time you saw this, Nick, my brother showed this movie to me and it was the first time I'd seen anything. Mystery science theater. Then I got into the TV show watching reruns and comedy central. Yeah, that's how I was. I went from the movie to the TV show. I don't think I went the other way. Well, and I remember when you saw the movie, the first time was, it was a eighth grade birthday party sleepover at Mike Flincham's house, a friend of ours. It was you, me, and Jared Christinger and Mike Flincham. We watched this movie once, loved it, loved it so much that we immediately watched it a second time again that night. So the first time you watched it, you watched it two times in a row. Right. Maybe that's why I don't like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it or you don't... Uh, I just... I have to be like in a certain mood to watch this movie. And I think a lot of it is that maybe it's because I, I know all the jokes coming ahead of time. So I don't really pay attention mm-hmm. to that. So I'm actually watching this Island earth, which is a God awful movie. So I'm just <laughs> kind of turned off with it. Cause I'm looking past the comedy side of it and I'm just watching the movie that's within the movie. And I, just, I, I think for, that's why I told you, like, I have to watch it in chunks. I can't, I couldn't watch it all together. Cause I just started through. like, getting bored with it well i think that's obviously why they have the host segments is to break it up so you're just not watching people watching a movie but i agree that i know a lot of the jokes that are coming up in this because i've watched it so many times but for me i almost get the experience of like someone that goes and sees rocky horror picture show if you know those those callback lines to the screen, yeah, yeah, like I still I still enjoy it, and I enjoy it for that. It's a different experience than when the first time I watched it. Now, granted, this time I hadn't watched it in a while, so there were a couple jokes that I didn't catch um, years ago that are really funny to me now. We haven't heard from Hunter. Hunter, when did you? Is this your first time seeing this movie? It was actually the not only the first time seeing the movie, but it was the first time even watching it at all. Like, I've never seen any of the mystery science wow. theater so, I mean, stuff before. I know you had your misgivings because you you know what the setup of mystery science theater is, I assume, before going in. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a antisocial uh, guy living in his basement. Uh, it's kind of his outlet to watch a movie with... In imaginary friends while they comment on it. That's how I feel about this movie. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, I think it's it's kind of... Um, there are some jokes some people don't get. And then there... If like, you're watching this with a group of friends and some people around you are like, I don't get that joke. But if there's one person in that group who starts laughing and then has to explain it, like they feel so smart. Not that I think that's what they're trying to do. It's just... I've witnessed that when watching 
other like the episodes um do is there anything about this that you enjoyed hunter uh not really i mean other than just the the idea of you know a couple of guys you know making quote unquote funny and i use that term very loosely with this comments about a crappy sci-fi movie um i was extremely bored the entire time so none of the jokes pulled you in you didn't think oh i was thinking that or that makes this enjoyable like makes this island earth no not not even the slightest bit like it's i understand that they had to because i mean nine times out of ten you know the movie is so horrific that they need to break it up because people would get bored of them just watching this crappy old movie i get that but it's like the from somebody who's never seen the movie who's never really sat down and watched the show um there's very little setup of what is going on with the three characters except for the fact that apparently you know sending somebody to space to watch shitty movies is a good idea like it's just i just can't i could i couldn't do it man like it i tried and i was like oh you know this is if i felt like the i mean i i felt like the the comments could have been better written like the jokes the the little quips and stuff like i don't think i honestly like laughed or thought something was funny until like the very very end of the movie right do you think you were uh paying more attention to the no because that's the fucking awful and thing. convoluted too like because because seeing it for the first time you're kind of pulled in two different directions Seeing it for the first time, you're kind of pulled in two different. You have to. You're trying to maybe trying to watch the movie. Uh, yes and no. I mean, comments. obviously, they. I mean, the beginning with Doctor Force, like did Forrester, you... Forrest, Forrester. So, okay. Um, I mean, I mean, he premises it with you know he's going to watch awful old movies. Okay, I get that. So the whatever movie they watch is going to be crap. It's not going to be Forrest Gump or you know Blades of Glory or you know what I mean. Like, okay, I get that. So I I know that this movie's <laughs> bad, and I'm. <laughs> Yeah, waiting yeah. for them to tell me why it's bad. But maybe it's just because I come from a different generation or because I didn't grow up on this. Like, Or maybe it's just because... Yeah, I, I think that's what they're trying to imply. Is just it's Look how outdated this is. Look how cheap it is. Um, and compare it to all these action sci-fi movies now. So you, they don't, they're just trying to imply or take for, right. you know, and I think to, actually, take for granted what the audience should already know and know that it's a horrible movie. Well, I mean, Doctor, he he sets it up by saying it's an experiment to some send somebody into space and show them bad movies and see how long it takes until they crack. Like that's the experiment, and I, I wanted to ask you what you would, your feelings of it were at the beginning, or if you could jump into it, Hunter, because that's why I brought up at the top that Prince and Minds, me and Prince, our first exposure to this was not knowing the TV show, was just watching the movie. So the setup of the movie at the right. top was plenty for us then. Like, I grew to love the show from the movie. And so, like, obviously when we first watched the movie, I mean, Nick's opinion might have changed the movie now because it's been beaten to death from viewing, but the movie itself in first watch for us was easy to follow. Like, we got it. Um, we knew there wasn't... Once they get into the theater and you see the silhouette and you see what they're doing, you kind of you kind of know what the movie is from here on out. Um, and they they have spoken about doing the TV show is that people have asked them at conventions, oh, isn't it super hard to watch these terrible movies? And they say, well, the thing is, we don't pick the worst movies. It's like we go through movies and. We don't pick right. the worst because those are almost unwatchable. There has to be something still good about it. And I think, like I said, story-wise, I think there are a lot of things good about this Island Earth. But because unless you grew up on those kind of movies and you've seen the progression of film, you it's hard to appreciate the slow momentum, the cheesy graphics. Like, if you don't, I think if you don't like this Island Earth at all, you don't give a crap what they're making fun of. Because you have to be semi-invested in the movie too. Well, and I was. I, I at least I feel like I was. I felt like I was in. I was invested in it. But I think that ultimately the thing that kept holding me back, and that was kind of, I, I felt like it was something that they were missing, was the fact that all three characters that were watching this movie 
are essentially the same person. They have the same personality. They make the same kind of jokes. Like I think if they had alternate personalities, like one was kind of extreme and one was big on making, you know, maybe sexual innuendos or just different kinds of comedy to make different comments to, to give a little variety. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but I can see, I could see, like to me, Tom Servo's the brains. He's the more intelligent one. Crow's kind of the outlandish one, the crazy one. I mean, right. at the very open uh, top of the movie, he's trying well, to dig the a hole telling, the Well, telling him what's going on Earth. is Tom, and he's very radio. He's like, well, Mike, did you hear that? Like, yeah, I think they set up the characters well. Right, right. And I think Mike's just kind of like the balance between the two. The glue that I agree. Holds the I, two I get character definition, but that also might be a biased statement from someone who has seen the TV show where they develop the characters... In the in the host segments, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I'll admit their characters yeah. are not their characters aren't that deep. I mean, that's just very on the surface. They just out of out of glance. That's what I get from those three characters. Now there's not much backstory. With movies, to any of them, I, 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 I think the biggest thing I have against the movie, but it's also my biggest compliment, is part of which I've already stated. I watch this movie and I think. I would love to do this. I would love to do this with my friends. I could do this. Now, granted, it takes a lot of work for what they do. They have like 10 writers and they have to watch it over and over again, write down the jokes and test them out. But so I think its biggest hindrance is when you're watching a feature film, you you don't want to always think, I could do this, because then why watch it? Why wouldn't you just go out and do it? But for me, that's my biggest love about it, is that's where I connect with it. Right, and I and I think everybody kind of does this, whether oh, yeah, of you course. have a good sense of humor or not. Everybody's made a smart-ass comment about a film as they were watching it, I'm sure. <laughs> whether that comment was funny or not. Yeah, so everybody does this. I mean, they just mm-hmm. do it on the big screen. And when I originally saw this, I never knew any of the behind-the-scenes as far as, like, what, they watch the movies countless and countless times. It feels like stand-up. Everybody You're like, oh, he's just comments. winging like, it off the cuff. Well, and I almost thought right. that they were doing this as the movie was playing. Like, there really was no... Which they tried to do writing on the first couple episodes, or maybe even the just, first season of the, the Cable Access show, is they tried doing that, and they would actually drink a little too right. much. And they're like, this is incoherent. Like, there are long stretches of time where we just don't say anything. We gotta write. Like, we're funny people, because, I mean, Trace Value <laughs> with um, Joel Hodgson, the original creator, a lot of the people that originally worked on this, including Mike Nelson, were stand-up comedians. Um, and then, so, I, it also astounds me that this was bred out of a cable access show that started in 1988. Like, that blows me <laughs> away that they, I mean, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is huge. I know I said that about Phantasm 3, too, but, like... There is a huge fan base for Mystery Science. Yeah, yeah. When did they go off? Oh, Na- August 1999. Yeah. Okay. Saw, yeah. So you were happy when the movie came s- out in 96? Right? 96, yeah. And then they did three seasons on the Sci-Fi Channel. So you... I wonder why they didn't make another movie. It anyway, did, sorry, this, no, this didn't do well. That's... They... Universal, the apparently while making this, the guys did not... You know, they're all from Minnesota. They filmed out of Minnesota even when they were on Comedy Comedy uh, Central and the Comedy Channel and Sci-Fi Network. They still filmed mm-hmm. out of Minnesota. They were very... Minnesota. They were very Minnesota. Like, the big Hollywood glitz and glamour and the studio having involvement, it was not fun for them. They did not have a good time. Um, yeah. So I, that's... And then part of that was Universal thought that they should release this to some small college towns first, which it did well, but I think it only opened to like 35 theaters, which is ridiculous. I don't know, man. Like movie produced by Universal. I think it's a sound idea. I just, I just don't think it resonates with me anymore. Would you like, I don't, I don't, would you be more willing? Cause, um, I know you're a fan. You're you like Plan Nine from Outer Space, right? What do you mean, Hunter? Do you like the movie Plan Nine from Outer Space? I, I like it because it's so awful. <laughs> so, well, I, mean, what I was going to say is it's a guilty pleasure watch. Like I like it too. Um, I like a lot of El- Ed Wood movies. I don't think they're that bad. Plan Nine from Outer Space is considered the worst movie of all time, 
But again, I think they're talking worst big movie, which it wasn't a big movie even. Um, The guys who, part of the guys who did Mystery Science Theater after it ended, Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, and Bill Corbett, who took over as Servo, um, who took over as Crow once Dr. Forster, Trace Balut left, created a group called Rift Tracks, where they make some DVDs, and also mostly you can download on iTunes and from their website, commentary tracks to all movies that they record with different special guests. Well, one of them is Plan 9 from Outer Space. So I wonder if you would enjoy maybe watching them do this similar thing to a movie that you already are more comfortable with already like uh maybe um would you i mean i'll would you give it a chance if it the tv show or yeah absolutely so just this one in particular you're just like no can't get into it combination of their jokes yeah it's just it's it's i just uh, to me it's just not funny like this the stuff the jokes that they were trying to make like to me it just it just wasn't funny like one of the biggest things with um with the movie that I nobody seemed to address and not even like within the movie they even talked about like the the characters was the fact that this alien race sends this you know super scientist you know 2500 parts of a machine to put together and they put him on this extraterrestrial plane to fly him out to Georgia like what the fuck man like that's that's and I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Like this is so fucking stupid. But then nobody comments on it. I'm like, this is such a huge, awful writing point. Like, why can't somebody? I don't know. Like that, it just didn't make any sense to me. And I felt like it was. I was like, how really? Well, why not Georgia? Oh, I don't know. Where would you rather they? No, go? if I'm I mean, going to send yeah, you didn't an alien species, uh, you want them to be in the middle of the city? pieces to design something to communicate, and I'm going to shoot down a, a specialized spaceship. I'll probably bring them back to my fucking planet, not Georgia. Like, <laughs> well, so that's hey, that's a long trip. They had to get in those. Well, tubes. that's my question. That's my question too. Is because they clearly um, Joe and Cal recognize when the spaceship well the interocitor itself and then the the big four-headed being on the the interocitor when they get picked up by the ghost airplane they're like we could tell someone about this the alien sightings and whatnot but who would believe us and then he just goes and i gotta say with the first time i watched this movie i was like oh he's gonna go to their planet or to a bigger spaceship which they could design to look like earth and make you think it's still earth but it's not. They've captured you to help them out. So, yeah, I, and then I think it was this first viewing that I I heard that they were in Georgia, and I was like, you know what? I never questioned where they're at. Yeah, but Georgia's definitely. an interesting pick because they because they probably didn't film in Georgia. So I don't, it was just the the whole idea was just so stupid. I'm fine with it. My thing was that their planet needs uranium, so they're going to Earth to get, I guess, uh-huh. all the uranium that the Earth has. And I imagine the Earth doesn't have that much uranium I have no idea. to power their planet. But apparently Georgia has a lot of uranium. Well, it's a, well, the doctors are there because they're all tops in their field of turning uranium into being used for nuclear power. But it's funny, once they get to Metaluna... The main alien, and also, um, uh, it's not Brack, but I can't think of the other main alien. Crap. Well, once they get there, it's like, could you get all the uranium uranium we need? No. Okay, then let's start transporting to Earth. But they don't even do that. They know their planet is going to explode. And yet they still have no escape plan like Krypton. I don't know, man. Yeah, they're not that advanced, of a advanced species, really. Like, if you can't get more than, like, one right. person off your planet... Like, I'm sure, like, even if our planet was ending, I'm sure we could get more than, like, just the one person off. I'm sure we're going to have some sort of escape plan. So, are we going to go favorite lines from the movie? Even though that might have been a, a hardship for you, Hunter? Uh, no, I, I mean, I do have a favorite line. Um, it wasn't from... You know the the movie within the movie. It was from the movie, uh, which 
which was um, I don't. Yeah. Re- it's at the. It's towards the beginning, uh, and what's his face walks into his lab or whatever. He's looking through some fucking binocular. I don't know what the fuck they're looking at, but it looked like some you know this a blackboard going into some car shaped receptacle. I don't know. Uh, but one of the guys makes a comment of uh, "Turn up the Flash Gordon sound and surrounded by more science." And I was like, "That's pretty funny." I'm I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> not my wolf, Nick. Your favorite line? Well, actually, let me. <laughs> I, we kind of skirted it. I know you said you had to watch this in chunks. Um, did it make you remember how you liked it when you were younger and you were seeing for the first couple times? Did you still enjoy it, or were you mm-hmm. like, you know what? I got everything I would get out of this by watching it the first couple times. I never really have to watch this again. And again, like I said before, I think I was just, I knew all the jokes coming. So I was just watching this island earth. But I'm not saying it's like, I'll never watch this movie again. I'm sure I will, but it'll be quite some time before I watch it again. Is that, is that kind of the way you would watch like a stand up performer? Like if you had a DVD um, maybe. I mean, it depends on the performer. If it's it's somebody that has like this to me, this movie, I don't have to watch from getting it end to get the movie. Like, there's not much of a and the movie within a movie, yeah. But just mm-hmm. mystery science theater, there's not really a plot line that's going on there. I could, I again, I I don't really care about the host segments, the little sketches that go in between. There's not much of a story there. So I can watch it in chunks and still be fine. Even if this was my first viewing of it, I think I could watch it in chunks and still be fine. I would know it's going in. Again, I I think it's one long sketch, so I'm, all I'm doing is breaking that up. Now, if it's a stand-up performer, it depends on what they're... Like, if it's somebody like Bill Cosby that sits there and tells a story for, like, 15, 20 minutes, then no, I would have to watch or I'd right. have to listen, like, 15 to 20 minutes before I broke it up. Mm-hmm. So, What's your favorite line for this movie? Mine was actually... It's funny because, I mean, I really didn't pick a line out. So I'm just going to pick one off IMDb, which I agree with. It's when uh, <laughs> Crow is bre- is trying to dig through the hall. And um, he asks Mike to toss his calculations, nice. hits him in the face. And he goes, oh, breach hall, I'll die. Even had it underlined. <laughs> I actually chuckled yeah. out. Yeah. That was the only bit that I thought was funny was the opening. But then all the stuff in between... Yeah, like when they try to build the interocitor and all that. Not really. Or when With the um, big-headed alien in the. In the I think it, I, I get maybe when he and Mike runs into the Hubble. That was kind of funny. Well, and if you know, if you're if anyone's a fan of the the TV show, considered one of the highlighted shows of the series is Manos: The Hands of Fate. And when they run into the Hubble, Mike's. Um, way to fix it is oh he'll use the manipulator arms he'll use the manipulator arms right if you notice when he goes to flip the switch of the manipulator arms it says manos because the movie's called manos the hands of fate and he's using the hands of fate to pull apart the hubble hmm. and that was so that's a little that's from an earlier one of the tv shows yeah yeah, it's considered one of the, probably the best episodes because of how bad and bizarre the movie is. They riffed, um, they brought back a lot of things from that riff of that movie in other episodes of the t- TV series. So definitely, if you're a fan of the show, you would you'd pick up on that as a as a wink. Hmm. Um, yes, the opening of of Crow digging to try to dig his way out of a spaceship through the galaxy cracked me up. Um, my favorite line. Uh, I picked as a quip from the movie in the same scene that Hunter picked his Yeah, was uh, when Joe says, well, you know what my kids would say? And Crow goes, you're not my real father. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, uh, almost a close tie is, huh, it's crazy. that's what my wife needs. And like, what, a man? That scene in itself, I think, is probably the best chunk of the movie. Just the interaction between Cal and Joe and all the quips that uh, the robots and Mike get to make just in that little isolated area there's a lot of good stuff it's not paper it's metal no that's paper all right now we've got just one thing left to do since we've said our favorite lines we have to give it the ill-fated ratings that i feel that it's gonna get hmm. uh one and a half one and a half Eric, you want to go first <laughs> <laughs> one and a half ah this is hard this is hard you give uh, it the old fifth element 
Did you give Fifth Element one and a half? I did. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this... I'll give it a... Wow. Two and a half. I'll give it two and a half. And uh, I will give this... I'm in between giving it a two and a half and a three, because as a movie goes, it's not a great movie. But for me, myself, for the love I have for this movie and the rewatch factor, I've probably seen this movie 50 times. Um, I got to give it a three. So we have a one and a half, a two and a half, and a three. And I don't think Shay came in with his review. So it's a big fat zero. Big fat zero for Shay. By default. <laughs> by default, zero defaulted. I would recommend that uh, for anybody that hasn't seen this film, I would recommend that they watch it with a friend. Yes. I think it really helps this movie and all the other ones. Because I tried uh, on Netflix. There, are, you can. I think all of them are on there. Minus the movie. The movie's not on there. but or is, It might be. I don't know. But all the all the TV episodes, oh, there's a lot of them. And I tried watching one, and I just I got maybe about 20 minutes into it, and then I just kind of was like, all right, I'm done. But I think it helps if you sit there and watch it, especially like like a comedy. Like other movies, you can watch by yourself. But to me, a comedy is better if you have a, a friend or a large group of people that are all laughing, because I think you laugh at more stuff when you're with a group of people that are mm-hmm. laughing. I agree. And if, if if you don't get something, then everybody kind of like explains it or talks about and it. That, so it makes it like an interactive funny, movie. Like I said, it kind of brings yeah. out that Rocky Horror experience. Uh, right, yeah, I right. think there's two two best ways to watch this movie are, as you just said, with a group of friends, maybe having a few drinks or um, doing something other uh, that may get you inebriated. I imagine that's a lot of the times the the way the viewers are that watch this movie. Um, and the other way is, I think this is a classic Sunday morning movie, which they used to rerun the TV shows on, because it's a movie that you can be hmm. doing so many other things while watching. Right, yeah, you don't have to be glued to the TV set the whole You time. can get up, you can grab food, you can come back, it doesn't matter where in the movie they're at, or what quips Right, and that kind of goes back to me watching it in chunks. Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't matter, the plot's not going to be ruined if you get up and walk away for ten minutes. And then come back. You're going to miss jokes, obviously, yeah. but you're not going to you're not going to know what jokes they don't they don't really do many callbacks to earlier jokes throughout the film. They do sometimes in the episodes, but definitely not in this. And one of the things I think it's highlighted on the trivia section on the IMDb page is that they actually had they scaled back the amount of jokes that they made during this because it was going to theaters and they didn't want people laughing too hard. And not hear the and next missing joke. The other yeah, ones. missing yeah, the yeah. next joke. So yeah, there are some episodes where they're a little bit more uh, joke heavy, and like this movie, as I said, the, the episodes they helped me see movies that I would never watch, or if I did watch, I'd have to watch it with a group of friends and do exactly like what these guys are doing, make fun of it and riff it. One of them is Santa Claus Con- Conquers the Martians. Never what? Would have seen that movie <laughs> if it wasn't for MST3K. Santa I want to watch Santa that Claus now. Conquers the Martians. Wow. I think it's on Netflix. Watch the MST3K version. It's hilarious. Wow. Santa Claus is so mean. I would never hear conquer and Santa. Yeah, why would you? <laughs> and Martians and Martians. And then Martians. And then of course as it's I said, good. Manos the Hands of Fate is such a train wreck. Hmm. So are we we're now past the movie segment yeah so before we get out does anybody have any uh recommendations of well what's the next movie that we're going to watch well let's do the oh, pick well, at the end let's oh, that for geez. the end get yeah i know God, we're, we're, we're teasing now everybody has to stay tuned i know or they could just tune in to the next probably podcast. not the best of ideas or they could fast forward to the end right. we're, we're holding them we're retaining uh, uh, I personally haven't watched uh, any movies. I mean, any new movies that I've seen that I don't think anybody else has. I just did the American Pie trilogy, um, but I'm sure everybody has seen those. Have you seen American Reunion think. yet? I have not seen American Reunion yet. It's not written by the guy who wrote 1, 2, and 3. It's actually written by the writing team who did the Harold and Kumar movies, and I think it is huh. extremely evident. If you think there's oh, any, so not good. If you think there's anything smart about or fun or heartwarming about the original 
American Pie trilogy, it is yeah. non-existent in American Reunion. Well, I like Harold and Kumar, so will that help? Did you see Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Or Harold? Oh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be that writer? Or you no, know, it's those writers, and also Harold and Kumar in three D, or Save Christmas is the title, or something. It's oh, the wow. two sequels. Talk about a movie that atrocious. did not need a sequel. No, God, the first one holds up as a buddy comedy so well. I was going to say, they kind of said everything they needed to say in Harold and Kumar and White Castle. <laughs> Need they say more? That's, yeah, that's about it. But no, I have not seen... It is the original cast, though, right? Yeah, uh, it's all the original cast in different amounts. You know, some characters are in it longer than others. Natasha Lyonne um, is only at the end of the movie for a quick joke at the reunion. Um, they... Tr- hmm. It's. I mean, you might like it. I will buy it if it's cheap, just to complete my the original collection. I don't own any of right. like the Bandcamp like or Major League Two. Right. I don't own so any of those the offshoot straight to DVD movies because I got those have to be terrible. This one wasn't. Was this one straight to DVD? No, it was theaters. It was theaters. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. It's. I it's, remember seeing trailers for it. And, it's okay. It's hmm. cool to see everybody back. Because Osriker, the guy, Chris Klein, isn't in number three. So it's nice to see a few characters that didn't appear in three coming back. But it definitely... I hate all the other ones. The other ones are garbage. That just have the American Pie. Yeah. Naked Mile and Bandcamp. You've watched them? Whatever the one is that... uh, I've seen a little bit of Naked Mile. Book of Love? And uh, I turned it off. Like, I didn't finish it. So, yeah. But that's all I've... Yeah, that's all I watched. Really? Um, I could recommend Horrible Bosses. Which has a sequel Horrible? in the works. Oh, does it really? Yep. I did not know that. Um, hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's funny. It's an interesting cast. Uh, interest, it's, it's just a, you know, it's like a buddy, it's a buddy comedy, uh, about three guys who come up with the idea to kill their own bosses. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, and in, pretty impressive cast. Uh, Charlie Day, uh, Jamie Fox, uh, Donald Sutherland's in it. Kevin Spacey's in it. Um, uh, Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston, looking fine. Yeah, Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston plays uh, a sex crazed dentist. Like it's such an it's such a weird movie uh, with just super weird characters, and uh, it's Colin Farrell playing a dirtbag. Yeah, like it. Just the whole the whole thing. Like it kind of takes you by surprise because you you're not expecting it to to act like it is you know what i mean like uh you don't ex- you don't expect it to be that good and it really is it's i mean the charlie day plays that crazy loose cannon kind of co- character and uh jason bateman's character is just very uh he's very quick with his responses and uh it's very it's it's enjoying it's very enjoying so the three leads, yeah, Jason Sudeikis, Jason Bateman, and Charlie Day play their archetypal characters that you would expect them to be. Like Charlie Day isn't very far off from his Always Sunny. Jason Bateman isn't very far off from Arrested Development, and Jason Sudeikis is that smart-ass, wisecracking guy that you expect from his appearances on Saturday Night Live or the movie that came out around the same time. Hall exactly. Pass. Yeah. So it's I. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Like. Mm. uh I mean, it's not you know one of my favorite movies, but I would definitely watch it again. I agree. I would watch it again because it took me by surprise. I knew that there had to be something decent about it because of how many good people were in it, but that's also what scared me. Yeah, there's a lot of movies where amazing cast, horrible writing. But I'm usually it's it's usually a safe bet that almost anything Kevin Spacey is in is a pretty decent movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm the only one that saw anything new. The some the movie we've talked about leading up that I was real jazzed about in our previous podcast. I saw X Men: Days of Futures Past on Thursday, nice. opening night. Um, I I don't want to give any. I don't want to spoil the movie for you guys because you haven't seen it yet, right? No. Um, I I don't want to give too many spoilers. I usually spoil the movie, but everybody dies. Everyone dies. But or do what they? I'll say is. What I like to do when I recommend movies, if you liked First Class, you'll like Days of Futures Past. Now, my favorite X-Men movie is X2, or the first two X-Men movies. I didn't care for First Class that much, but since it kind of molds and it melds X 
the first two X-Men with Days of Futures Past, which you see in the trailers, it was a little bit better than Days of uh, than First Class for me, so I give it about a B. What I think it had the problems with is redundancy. The story is Wolverine gets sent back in the past to help change something in the past that um, the creation of the Sentinels because they wipe out the planet in the future. So he has to go back and persuade Charles and Magneto to work together and get the team together to keep this from happening. There's an event that happens, they have to stop it. Very Terminator Judgment Day, which Brian Singer did actually sit down and have conversations with James Cameron to go over time travel, which I thought was funny. Um, But the redundancy comes out of, so Wolverine gets sent in the past, and you have to hear him give the same speech like five times about why he's there. I'm like, dude, just put it on a tape recorder, and when someone asks you who you are, just press play. Because that's not real. <laughs> well, I'm tired of hearing the same, I- like, I'm from the future, and this is why. It's like, dude, right? I'm getting that the characters don't know, but the audience knows. Believe me, I could recite it verbatim right now. And the other redundancy, um, which happens usually not too far off from that speech, is he pep talks Charles Xavier, young Charles, plays by James McAvoy, to be the man that he'll become. Like, he has to keep on telling him, oh, when you get older, you're doing this, and you're great, and you have the school. And James McAvoy's just like, no, I don't don't want to be crippled. No, I can't do it. So he has to keep on being like, no, come on, bub. You're good. You're great. Just helping him rub one out. Um, Each one of those things happen way too often in the movie. Uh, And I, I wonder if it's because they really didn't have much of a story. They had more had action and characters. Uh, I, I recommend it. If you like any of the X-Men movies, I recommend you go see it. Go see it in theaters. It's a spectacle. Hmm, I'll wait for it on DVD. <laughs> okay. You saw Spider-Man in theaters. You saw Spider-Man That too. was just an impulse watch, and I totally regret it. Well, impulse, go see Days of Futures Past. <sighs> Maybe. What I mean, a movie that I'm excited about seeing next, um, Guardians of the Galaxy isn't what I'm really excited about seeing. It looks a little bit no. like Hellboy, so I may give I it a saw chance. saw trailer for that, and I, I, you know, I mean, we were talking about it, and I was like, I think I'm getting too old for these movies. Like, it <laughs> it just, just looked like a kid's movie altogether. And I didn't even get it. Like, I mean, again, I'm not a comic book fan, so I can't, I can't see the trailer and be like oh they nailed it it's dead oh, on yeah, yeah I, can't I don't wait. i don't know that comic book yeah and i don't think even like seeing the movie like i don't think that's most of these i would be i would want to go and read the comics because they're all very interesting stories but like just the now it is just a trailer but going off the trailer like i just wasn't it had to be the raccoon i could I, the talking <laughs> raccoon thing kind of see that got me <laughs> that got me excited because it's voiced by bradley cooper and I'm like, that actually looks like some pretty damn good CGI. My only thing is, nothing in the trailer made me go, I have to see this. Right. The movie I want to see, and I may see it, it comes out this Friday, is A Million Ways to Die in the West, the new Seth MacFarlane movie. Yeah, that looks good. Looks funny. It makes me think a lot of... Um, it just looks like a live, live, anim- live family guy. I mean, which, not surprising. Right, and I think if you like writer, so if anyone liked Ted, you should probably enjoy this movie. It looks like Ted on steroids. It looks even more like a cartoon. Yeah. Did you see the one trailer where uh, he goes into the barn and it's Doc with the time machine? Really? No. <laughs> There's a bit. He's like walking. He's walking down the street and he sees like lights like going on and off in a barn. He opens the door. and and it's Doc, and all of a sudden Doc's like, oh! And he covers, and you just see no the back end, like the vent wow. of the DeLorean, and he covers it up, and he's like, how's it going? How's it going? Is it is it Christopher Lloyd? Yeah, it's Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> no shit! So, I, I don't I don't know if he's in the movie much, but I can just imagine the call, like, hey, you want to be in a movie? Yes, I do! I haven't been in a movie in a... Oh. <laughs> can you play Doc Brown? <laughs> you play Doc okay. Brown again, and you're only in it for about three minutes. Oh my god. But I imagine that- it's... It's only that, but it's it's cool that they got him to come back to do that little that little bit. It was totally worth it. I think. If I, mean, if I had if I had any doubt about going to see the movie, I know there's a terrible thing to say, 
I would go see it just for that scene. <laughs> right. Yeah, I saw that in one of the trailers. Hmm. Yeah, the trailers to me they just had a lot of a lot of good a lot of good right. gags, a lot of good funny lines. And, I just hope uh, it's not one of the trailers where it's all the good the gags and lines are in the trailer. Oh, I I'm, I'm going to I'm going to guess there's a lot more dirty stuff that ain't appearing in, ain't appearing in the trailer that it's going to be pretty hilarious. I mean, it's got another it's kind of like horrible bosses. It's got a ridiculously good cast. You got right. Liam Neeson playing the villain, Charlie's Theron playing the heroine. And I'm glad to see Seth MacFarlane playing a live-action character. I actually enjoy watching him talk and stuff. Isn't Ralph Garman in there, too? Yeah, he's in it for a little bit. I think some dude with an yeah, eye patch or something. I just remember hearing in Hollywood yeah. Avalon. Oh, before we... Uh, before, have you guys ever heard or watched... It's on the it's on YouTube. Oh, I almost said the YouTube. It's on the YouTube. The um, YouTubes! <laughs> uh, Grandpa. No, uh, what's it called? Honest Movie Trailers? Oh, yeah. Yes. You ever come across... <laughs> I've never. I've, I think I've maybe seen one a while ago, but I, I was. That's what I was doing at work today because my computer wasn't really working on the network, so I just sat there and watched. A, you a great one for me. I had watched them sporadically because um, they advertise. If they're done by Screen Junkies, which do a lot of good videos. Um, they do sometimes videos with how it should have ended. The oh yeah, the cartoons series. Yeah, or or the movies. Do they also do the movies in like thirty seconds with the with the rabbits? That no, that, that, that's a different group, but it may be closely because Stars did that, and I know Stars does um, how it should have ended. But screen junkies that do the honest trailers, I watched Frozen, and of course Frozen was superly overly hyped. It's like, oh, it's the next Aladdin, Lion King, just as good as those. And I watched, I watched it, and I was today. like, I was like, it's not that great. No, and then I watched not. Honest Trailer. And then I was like, thank you, Honest Trailer. I yeah. am not, I'm just not a, like you said about Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like movies have lost something for me, but that's not true. When a good movie comes around, it's a good movie. Right. I might be slightly pretentious in my opinion, but I think people are too quick to say that something is great when it just hits a touch of greatness, of like an Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast or Little Mermaid. Just because it had one catchy song, Let It Go, does not mean the movie itself and a whole is as good as those classics. Well, right. And I and I love his opening to the trailer where he was saying, Disney finally learned how to make a movie like Pixar. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's all that is, is that and it's really not I mean if you compare it to a Disney or a Pixar film, it's still not up to par to Pixar. It's, no it's still like to me if they were going to do frozen they should just stick to what they really know best which is live animation and stick to that i and, actually kind of wish they w- it would have looked more the two-dimensional yeah of like the past movies right. i they started switching that up with pocahontas and then it transferred into mulan um i think I mulan really, was really the first one i mean yeah Ma- I, where they started to get yeah that three-dimensional and they would rotate the camera around the scene yeah so. so, yeah, I, I, I really, I don't know. There's something to me, and I kind of wonder why there, whenever I watch horror movies that have been released, like, even since the 90s, I wonder why that they can't film it in that grittiness, like the camera used to have and the grain. Everything looks way too overly lit. Like, everything looks too good and clear and defined. That takes away some of the scare factor for me. That's the same way I feel about these Disney movies, where it's not that 2D kind of flat right. look. Right. And I mean, I, I understand why, like, a lot of it's, like, for the like the graininess, that's all, it's just going to be HD. They're making these movies at such a high uh, high def now that... And digital. If you, if you lack any detail in any scene, like, where they could get away with not lighting that back wall because you're not going to see it in this SD or low-grade film. Now they're all shooting it on high-end. Even, like, low-end cameras now are way better than what they were using in, like, the 70s and stuff. So they have to put the detail into that scene. So maybe a lot of those people are just going too too much with it. And it's biting them in the ass when they go to edit it. Well, like, even I uh, just recently watched the two remakes, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween's, and where he tries to add a filter of sometimes graininess or doing some darker lighting tones and even in costumes like some browns, some more earth colors, 
it's still too well lit. I still see things too well. I'm not looking and going, oh, what's that in the background? Or, like, shadows and stuff. I, I feel that's a problem with all horror movies. They, The people look too well, like, too um, make-upped. Their costumes look too good. The lights look too good. The sets look too polished. Like, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. I wish, I wish there was a way to make it look even like the 60s, like this island Earth, which we talked about earlier, like there's right. no way to make that Technicolor look anymore. Well, there I mean, there is, but it's all it's all in it's a effects. filter and post. Yeah, it's no longer yeah. how it came out of the camera, or how the film. I mean, they don't even shoot on film anymore. So, I mean, I shouldn't say all. I mean, a lot of films do, but the majority of them are all digital, right out. of... Well, and they do that so they can edit super quickly on the on the set. Well, that and, and it's and it's cheaper. Dailies. It's way cheaper than buying film, especially now. Film's getting more and more expensive because it's less and right. less demand for it. I feel like something. I feel like movies lose something, especially horror movies, even science fiction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, did Shay uh, send in a pick, or is it going right to me? I think it's going right to you, sir. Okay. Yeah, man. Come on. Um, so you want me to do my pick? Quit yeah. fucking okay. around. All right, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna milk this on, man. I'm gonna no. It's the 1995. What is it? 1995 action sci-fi Johnny Mnemonic. Right, I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, I know it came out in a what's it called video again? Cassette tape, but yep. that's about as far yep. as my knowledge goes. Eric, have you seen it? No, I've never heard Johnny of Johnny Mnemonic. Mnemonic is M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C. That's the it's name of it. It's very much a precursor um, to um, Matrix. And from what I know, there are a lot of similar action sequences. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He wears uh, it's like Keanu a Reeves, dog Eric, suit. Now. Cool. He wears like the black suit, white dress shirt, black tie. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, and has iced tea in there. Ice T is in there oh. playing J Bone. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 uh, another. I think I, I would put it up right up there with Fifth Element. It's another guilty, like oh, pleasure no. movie. Like if it's on, I'm going to stop and watch it, even though it's probably. I think it's very dated, um, and there's a lot uh, of weird weird things they did in the writing where you're just going to sit there and be like, "What the hell did they do that for?" And a lot. So of the question is, though, am I going to like it more than the Fifth Element, though? <sighs> question is do i like it more than the fifth element and i would say <laughs> I would, you already have an opinion I, I, I would say yes okay, okay but not not by like a huge margin i just i think I, I just for me the fifth element had a lot of um it's funny you guys talk about this island earth being so bad i think there's actually a better story in this island earth than there is in the fifth element yeah the core story right um okay Interesting. Uh, oh God! You know what the poster? The two top listed people are for Johnny Johnny Manomic? Keanu Reeves and Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's oh, good, man. man. It's good. Oh Henry Henry Rollins, Udo Kier, Ice T. Oh man. Oh yeah, I forgot close. Henry Rollins was in it. He actually plays this... a big part too. <laughs> oh no. Well, I mean, this is how. <laughs> Like, this is not selling the movie at all. I mean, Ice-T, Henry Rollins, they all play not huge parts, I mean, but I would say you probably see them in, like, 30% of the film. 30 to 40%. Is this on Netflix or Amazon Prime? I think it is on Netflix. Okay, I was just wondering if I was going to have to go out and buy it. No, no, I'm pretty sure. I mean, even if you go out and buy it, it's going to be, like, two bucks. Well, maybe. It might be one of those weird cult classics. Well, I would consider it a cult classic, but I think you could probably find it pretty cheap. But I think it is on Netflix. I've definitely or... heard of it. It's not like a movie that I've, I've not heard of. One thing we just brought up there about holding up, um, just to go back on our discussion of Mystery Science, I definitely think Mystery Science holds up. There are some references, kind of like if you ever watch Saturday Night Live Weekend Update segments. There's some dated references that unless you know the history or live through the time period, you might not get. Yeah, you would. There's some 90s references. But I think on oh, a whole, yeah. uh, Mystery Science Theater holds up. That you wouldn't watch it and go, oh, this is definitely... I mean, just uh, just the way that the, the set's designed, um, right. you know, the whole intro with Dr. Forster, like, it just, it's all... 
just super cheap and it you know it uh, i mean they make they make jokes about clinton and i mean come on yeah i think it's it's very dated well yeah. i already said about the jokes there are some dated jokes but so you're saying you know, if i watched also... it without audio would i know that this is from the 90s yes yes i would know it's from the 90s i know it's definitely okay. not from 2000 but you could pinpoint it 90s not 80s uh, I might clarity. go to 80s. It depends on which episode I'm watching. True, if it's one from true. the 80s, I'm probably going to say it's the 80s. Well, I meant the no. movie, not the TV Yeah, show. the movie, no. Actually, yeah, I would say probably early 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. Um, So Johnny Monomic, I just tried to find if it's for sale at the three different stores, Reckless Records store in Chicago. No yeah. one has it for sale on DVD. Wow. This is on, uh, I believe it's on Netflix, well, as of 2011, it was on Netflix. I think you'll be fine. Awesome sci-fi movies to watch on Netflix, and it was one of them. Hopefully it still is, otherwise I'm going to have to do a skirmish to find it. Oh, man. you got two weeks to find it. Our next show is not until the 5th. Well, and actually, I I picked... I'm sorry, the 10th, uh, not the 5th. When I was at Reckless Records. Whoa now. I, uh, I found a movie that I'd never seen from the 90s, so I picked it for my next pick. So hopefully it's a movie that you guys haven't seen either, and it'll be a, a fun, kind of like a freeway. All right, I think that's it, gentlemen. All right. All right, let's say, let's say our names and get out of here. Nick Prince. I'm Eric Hunter. Ricky Glore. Stop and recording now. <laughs>